0: Hey, everybody, it's Joe Trippi, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. In case any of you are concerned, no, none of this podcast is top secret. SCI clearance required. So if you're listening to this from Mar-a-Lago, don't worry. This week, lots to get into. Democrats with more momentum after a big special election win in Alaska. I want to point out that this is the exact same thing I said last week. We're seeing a decoupling. And a choice election between two parties and not a not a referendum. It's a choice between the crazy and the folks that are getting things done. And this time, like I said, it was Alaska. Yes, Alaska. And we have a special guest today. Our friend, Trigby Olson, is back with us. Trigby and I have been helping our friends at the Lincoln Project, figuring out exactly which elections we need to be focused on to save democracy this fall. Trigby, welcome back.
1: Thanks, Joe. It's good to be back, and we got the mother of MAGA got beat, so good things happening. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, let's let's go there first, guys. Joe, you caught it when you were reading the intro. I literally copy-pasted from the intro last week. Huge win for Democrats in another special because it keeps on happening. Like you said, this week it's Alaska. Sarah Palin lost. Trick, you just hinted at it. And this one... <sighs> I don't know New York, it's kind of like it's New York, I know it's a bellwether district, but guys, Democrats won Don Young's seat. He's had the seat since nineteen seventy three I think like this one's huge, right? It's got to be huge,
0: yeah, and it it's only for four months, but even uh, the Cook report put it I think now in a in a lean Democrat, or toss-up, but lean Democrat.
2: Toss-up. It was like likely R or solid R. Now it's a toss-up.
0: You know, the other thing is they moved five districts in the Democratic Party's direction today uh, at the Cook Report. It just shows the continuing movement and what we've been saying for months that this was not going to be a red wave. It's pretty clear. But, I mean, there's a lot of really interesting stuff happened in Alaska. Tom Bonier, the CEO of uh, Target Smart Data, has done an analysis that showed that before the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, uh, men were out registering women in Alaska by three points. And since Dobbs, that flipped to now 7% more women are registering have registered since Dobbs in Alaska uh, from women. At the same time, the share of Democrats among new registrants increased by five points. And I think we're seeing this trend. I mean, we saw some of this in New York 19. We've definitely seen it now in the last five specials since Roe v. Wade was overturned, where Democrats have consistently outperformed, overperformed what anybody expected. And Alaska equaled the biggest improvement so far. Yes, it was an unusual ranked choice race. But for the GOP, they're dealing with these divisive candidates, uh, extreme candidates, You know, Palin is just another example that in these big races, it's just not a great omen for them. Whenever a candidate is seen by the electorate as extreme, it transcends the usual referendum on the president and the party in power. And we, again, I think we're seeing that, except now it's not just any can; it's all their candidates. In other words, even the ones like Molinaro in New York 19 that aren't as extreme. You know, aren't aren't the MAGA nuts are losing. You know, they're seeing this is a party that now I think writ large is seen by the by enough voters as too extreme to govern. And I think that's going to be what the election in November twenty twenty two is about.
1: I think it's a trap, right? Because if you're the moderate running you're not MAGA enough. And if you're the MAGA candidate, what you're going to see is what happened to Sarah Palin. They're going to leave the building on you. I mean, baggage is baggage. The fact that you had that high a percentage, and in, in, in this case, I think the ranked choice thing kind of gives some interesting insights because you see how many baggage supporters ended up voting for the Democrat as their second choice. And it, what it says is, you know, the pro democracy coalition is the majority in this country when given the opportunity to cast their voice, and they're starting to do that. And then you have it coupled with the Dobbs decision, which is made it clear that the, the far right is the dog who caught the cement mixer.
0: I agree with you, by the way, that ranked choice voting really exposes sort of that Bannon line, you know, of where there are you know, a significant number of, of Republicans who voted for Democrats, and then at the same time, a whole bunch of them just walked out. I mean they, they didn't leave a, a, a second or third choice. They, they they voted for Baggage and said, nah, no Moss, I can't vote for the Democrat or Sarah Palin. Again, that the extreme thing. Yeah. I think you're right, Trig. We we're seeing here and we've seen it repeatedly now, Democratic enthusiasm and movement towards the pro democracy coalition is happening, you know, in significant numbers and, and the Republicans are having, you know, they're feuding, they're having problems. And there's a divide and a split, uh, and it's enough of one uh, that I think the bannon line is growing a little bit here since Dobbs. And I think you're right too, because that exposed the, I mean we're seeing it now, South Carolina passing it, you know passing a, a ban on abortion uh, with no no exceptions, I think has just happened uh, as we as we're recording this. those kind of extreme actions that have been taken now in legislature after legislature, uh, state after state. Um, is just again with uh, alongside January sixth developments, uh, you know the, the the FBI warrant search, all these things just I think are starting to pile up, and enough people are getting it that this is an extreme party that cannot be allowed a majority.
2: Well, you guys should also remember. Sarah Palin, if if we were talking like 10 years ago about Sarah Palin going for a Don Young seat, she was like for a while had approval ratings in the 90s in Alaska. She was one of those popular governors on the, if not the most popular governor. So it's crazy that Sarah Palin could only pull 48% in Alaska and flip a seat for the first time in what, 50 years? That is wild to me
1: well her former in-laws did an event for baggage i mean like she couldn't even pull her former in-laws i think the thing with the, the other the other dynamic in all of this is you know they the republicans are in a box because you know and the dobbs is the greatest example of this but they've set up a binary choice where it's a binary choice of 40 percent extremist you know no abortion under any circumstances Versus versus a, in a multiple choice environment, and so right the the extremism with Dobbs ends up at post Dobbs, it becomes so obvious, and then you you know that doesn't even get into the top secret documents laying around you know in a office in Mar Mar a Lago and all the rest of the insanity, um, but it really has clarified it I think.
0: But you see also in the generic numbers, Democrats now, I think it was morning consult, had had Democrats up five uh, in the generic House vote. Yeah. You know, that's a big change from, you know, a month or so ago. And I think, again, you know, I'd much rather be the pro-democracy forces going into the last few weeks here than this Republican Party with their, you know, mega extremism going on and the fight between uh, you know that, that that they're they're having internally. The one thing, though, I you know, we pointed this out in last week's show, but I think Alaska actually kind of like makes it even more clear is when we talked about the the victory in New York nineteen. We talked about the fact that there were two hundred and twenty two districts in the congressional districts in the United States today that have higher democratic performance than New York 19 did. Right. So when you're looking at, we, you know, do we have a chance to, to win a majority, well, we won New York 19, we outperformed what Biden did in that district uh, and, and one, there are 222 districts that have higher democratic performance than that. And by the way, in the last five specials, we exceeded democratic performance. Uh, or or expected democratic performance, so there's a good chance but when you look at those those 222, and then specifically you look if you look at what happened, the I think rank choice voting in Alaska made that the GOP completely underperformed up there, right? Had to to to, to have this because we're not talking about it, a plus democratic anything as you point out. It's as, as Alex pointed. Out, they're not in the 222. Right. But also, you know, I I saw uh again I think the Cook report said like, you know, there's 32 toss-up seats right now. Um, and they said, "Hey, you know, if if those get split six, 16 to 16, that would give uh rep- put Republicans in that, that in the 10 to 20 range that they expect the uh, Republicans to pick up." Well, I don't know. We're we're in those 32 Those are toss-up seats. These are not Alaska. They're not plus. You know, big plus red. So uh, this is where again I think uh, people are start are not looking at this. You're still looking at those 32 seats, saying, "Oh, Biden's approval ratings." No, No, look at those 32 seats. Democrats are outperforming. They're winning. We're winning in the uh, now in the generic that's going up, uh, has gone up for the last few weeks. And I don't think it's going to go down, but we'll see. It's clear to me that that Alaska kind of proves the point that we have we we are going to win in some places that no one expects us to win. And plus, I think in those 32 toss ups, I think Democrats have a it's not a 50 50 thing there. I think Democrats have a real advantage now uh going and and again we saw the model they are arguing uh, inflation and gas prices and and Biden's senile and um, and and Trump's being uh persecuted and all that you know, all their whining and uh it's democrats are doing you know out there taking and, and you'll. I think Biden with uh his speech uh, that will happen after we record this today Uh, is going to keep pushing the, you know, the mega extreme, uh, that that's the choice people have. And I think given that choice, a lot of those third, and again, abortion, a lot of the different issues that are clearly energizing voters um, is, is gives Democrats a big advantage in those toss up seats.
1: Well, you know, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like the conventional wisdom, when you're when you're doing house races if you're sitting at one of the committees is okay the toss-ups are going to split 50 50 but that's conventional wisdom in the game that that we know this but that isn't the game we're playing it's not the game that the other side's been playing and you know if you're if you're sitting at the rns nrsc and you're losing alaska alaska might be 300 on that list or 350 that house seat right so the the idea that they're going to flip 50 50 probably isn't the reality and and the other part of it is and you know we talk about this a lot you know as the as the former republican on this call you know If I vote for the Democrat, that's two votes for the Democrat. It's the vote for the the Republican didn't get, and it's the vote for the Democrat. If I sit the race out because they say, you know what, I just can't do that, it's still a vote for the Democrat because it would have been 10 years ago, a vote for the Republican. And so, so when you take an energized base of the Democrat Party and couple it with a Bannon line. Where you've got people now not just saying I'm going to sit it out, but I'm going to actively go and vote for the for the Democrat. That is a completely different dynamic than than what we had for rules five years ago. I mean,
0: and that's what we saw in Alaska. I mean, that's what I mean. Exactly what you're talking about is what happened in Alaska. Some some of those voters up there, uh, obviously. You know, it they've been young seed for like fifty years, right? So some of them voted for a Democrat for the first time in their lives, even if it yeah. was a second choice, right? right? And then and then a lot of them clearly walked out, you know, didn't didn't play, uh if that if, if the choice was a Democrat or, or Sarah Palin. I think that that scenario is it may it won't be as pronounced necessarily, but if you have any of that happening in these toss up races, um where's Republican, you know, the Republican is a, is a, 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 a mega cult candidate. So some of the, the establishment Republicans or whatever you want to call them these days, if they even exist, decide to skip that, to skip that vote or vice versa. Uh, they're not MAGA enough uh, that, that they don't, that the MAGA crowd right. won't vote. So you, there are real things happening here. The other thing is, look, Democrats have gotten a lot of things done the last couple of months. I mean, a lot of things done that really help people. The insulin, uh, holding it at, at thirty-five dollars on the whole fight to, like uh, you know, Republicans, you know, don't want to have Medicare uh, negotiate with pharma to set drug prices or whatever. You know, it's like, well, who would? You're somebody. You got. You have to get insulin or a, a drug to take care of your cancer or some other condition, and uh, who the hell is going to negotiate for you? No one, not the Republican right. Party, right? So it's like, I just think they've been the party of no, the party of the extreme, and it's starting to really catch up.
1: And I think I think the other thing on the individual voter level, and I love you guys for what you think, you know, I voted, I'll, I'll admit this, and it might not be popular to your audience. I, I voted straight Republican until 98. I remember the first time I, I voted for a Democrat. I know, day.
0: and you still say it. You still call it the Democrat right, Party, too, I, I do. Notice.
1: The first time I voted for a Democratic candidate, and um, I get that from your Twitter followers all the time. Democratic candidate, and there's a psychological thing in that, right? Like that slowly started a process where I became a ticket splitting voter, and eventually. You know, Trump came along and I became homeless man in political politics. But the reality is um, we shouldn't discount that reality that there is a whole bunch of Republican leaning independents who are now becoming truly independent. And that is a good thing for the Democratic candidates that are running. And, you, and, and, and that's a totally different dynamic as well. Um, and it's a huge deal.
2: Well, Trick, that's a good point. Because you, you look at a lot of the the attacks that were kind of made against Joe Biden in the campaign and all the stuff Trump said and all the stuff Republicans said. For the most part, it just hasn't come true because it was just yeah. so out there. So you have a lot of Republicans out there who are like, eh, but if I believe all the stuff they're saying, the world's going to end and we're going to get invaded by China or whatever it is. It largely didn't happen. Joe, you're right. He's gotten a lot of good stuff done that cuts across party lines. So all those attacks that didn't happen are almost in another way, giving another round of permission for Republicans or some of those independents who were Republicans for a long time to say, yeah, you know, I I voted for him and the world didn't end all the stuff they said about him didn't happen. So it's okay now.
1: Yeah. Not only that, like from, from a, as, as somebody who's still pretty conservative, for example, on foreign policy, for God's sakes, the man United NATO, and and has led sweden and finland joining it i mean i couldn't be happier ronald reagan couldn't do that for god's sakes joe biden has done that so like there's a lot of things that that all sides can hang their hats on with the exception of the extremist people who don't believe the election was legitimate and that's crazy
0: there has not been an election where trump wasn't on the ballot where you ha- you know it when he's on the ballot you know you do get a whole bunch of people who don't vote haven't voted to come out he's not on the ballot and neither is biden um and so i you know I, I i think the the everybody keeps looking at you know like the approval numbers and how that usually ends up you know effect, impacting the midterms and it and it almost always does and, and, and you know i get that but I do think it's becoming a that's right, the choice between the extreme MAGA party and, and when you look at the hundred and thirty nine that didn't certify the election, um, you don't want you know, I think people are becoming clear about just how extreme this party is. And it's that's the choice now. It's not about um uh in a lot of ways, I, you know, will we see the kind of turnout that that gets generated when Trump's on the ballot? No. And they got that's what happened in 2018 and it really it that's where democratic there was a lot of energy on the democratic side and and we won. Um and they've got far crazier far far crazier candidates running uh, in 2022 than they did in 2018. Um and I and I think I think it's clear too that Trump as as strong as he still has a hold on the party, uh, he's diminished. Uh, with a lot, of, you know, with the, the the ban in line is is getting bigger. I mean, the the number of people, as we saw in Alaska, who who just now it's a bridge too far. Uh, and so, Trig, the one thing I really wanted to ask you as a Republican, former
1: Republican, former Republican, I'm sorry, don't get me killed by your Twitter followers, okay. Joe. Okay. <laughs> don't uh, no, Tracy. And you got a lot. You got a lot of them. There's like two million of them. I no, don't know not two million.
0: No, but <laughs> the one thing I want to ask you, as a former Republican, is your take on this feud that we're seeing now out in the open with Rick Scott and Mitch McConnell. I mean, it's like part of it is like it, it's just crazy because on the one hand, you've got the guy saying, "Hey, you got to have skin in the game, so I want to raise taxes on everybody." And by the way, we're also want a sunset, Medicare and Social Security saying that Mitch is the guy who's at fault if we lose the Senate. And Mitch is, of course, saying, no, no, but our, our candidates suck is the reason why we're, we're, we're going to lose. <laughs> and so like how which just I think does sort of exacerbate this divide that we're talking about. So I wanted to get your take on it.
1: Well, they made a decision. As you know, I have some ties to Mitch's world, <laughs> and at one point did some stuff in that world. Uh, they made a decision that they were going to try and have a permanent governing coalition without the insanity of Trump. And what they're learning very quickly is the insanity eats the coalition. And and so you know they made it. They it might be a nice soundbite, but it's a terrible strategy. And you know McConnell's political world I think believed that that they could manage it and what's ended up happening is it's it's eating them up I mean you've got what are they going to do they need seats you know if McConnell's going to be majority leader they have a bunch of money in SLF if they spend it to elect Blake Masters Blake Masters has already said he's not voting for Mitch McConnell for majority leader JD Vance is making similar They took their 30 pieces of silver and now the deal with the devil is coming too. So, you know, the idea that Rick Scott is doing that to McConnell that's not surprising because Rick Scott looks in the mirror and doesn't see a guy who took the fifth 75 times when he was ripping off old people. He sees a president looking back at him. Um, And so he's just doubling down on, on this stuff. And, and McConnell no one should feel sorry for him. They made the deal with the devil. They're they're paying the price. Um and quite frankly, he made a deal with the devil with the Supreme Court with with going both ways on the Supreme Court stuff. And you know, that's killing their them too. So I there's not a lot of sympathy on, on my side for that.
0: When Rich Scott says when you complain and lament that we have bad candidates, when he says that, you know, it's I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but, I, you know, I agree with Mitch McConnell. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, you know, I mean, he's just he's just for once in his life saying the truth yeah. <laughs> uh, out loud, you know, which I guess they can't stand. Yeah, that's like, you know, no, you got to lie. You got to lie. Right. You got to tell us they're all great. Uh, and, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, it, it does give you like when you've got the, you, you know, the leader <laughs> telling you. That our candidates out there just suck, um, and by the way, if even if whether they do or don't, they're going to raise your taxes and and try to end Social Security and Medicare. I mean, what do these what do they have to offer uh, that's going to make you you know the give? I, I, that's the most fascinating thing to me is the how they've they've literally have no agenda except for this kind of inner party squabbling over why we're going to lose.
1: Yeah. I think it probably confounds him on some level, but he's you know he made they made the deal to try and go that route. They it isn't like they didn't try in some places. I mean they were backing quietly Donlan and, and with his team in in Ohio. They they just gotten beat because they they didn't realize that that the insanity was the coalition, and so if you have a bad strategy from the the outset. And I think people are surprised about it, probably particularly people like you, Joe, where McConnell has been such a worthy adversary. You know, he and Harry Reid would have their battles and, and McConnell, you know, had had so much success, but he, the, the strategy was completely flawed.
0: Why are there candidates having so much trouble raising money? I mean, is, is Teal going to come in and, and try to save Arizona and Ohio or or are these guys on their own?
1: No, but they're bickering about that because Steele helped get those guys through. And now he's like, OK, Mitch, you've SLF sitting on all this money. And and yeah, I mean, they brought the donors along for the ride. I mean, you you got to think at some point the donors aren't happy about it. And, you know, you got people like Carl are in the middle of SLF. Carl can't be happy about it. Carl's been pounding away on Trump. They They're all fighting amongst themselves because strategically, they had an opportunity to do the right thing on after January sixth, and they thought we're going to have a coal, the coalition without the insanity.
0: Phil's saying like, hey, okay, I got you guys started. Now I'm I'm not going to spend any more. Mitch, it's it's your turn. Uh, <laughs> and and the two guy, at least two of them, are guys that are making noises about not supporting Mitch McConnell for majority leader if they take the if they take the Senate. So as you pointed out earlier in the show, Mitch is now <laughs> like, well, is he really going to throw a ton of money at these two guys? I mean, how's this going to play out in your mind? And I'm sorry if I interrupted your thought, too.
1: No, no, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine having sat in that room at one point in my life. I can't imagine sitting in that room because there's no good answer to it, <laughs> you know, like and yeah, there's no good answer to it. What are you going to do? Um, there the, the, here's the thing. They tried to not pay the price for what happened on 1-6 in the big lie. Because, you know, somebody was quoted in, a Republican senator was quoted, I don't know who it was on background, after the election, but before everything really went down saying, well, you know, Trump will come around. Let's just humor him for a while. They thought that they could have what happened. In the United States on one six, and not pay a political price for it. And the truth of the matter is, I think the laws of political physics are such. They're now paying the price for it because they had an opportunity, you know to 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 and and I think they just thought to themselves, well, if we do that, you know Trump probably leaves the building and we won't win elections for a while. What they're finding out is now it's way worse. It's it's like having a mole on your arm and being like, I better not go to the doctor because it might be cancerous. I think I'll just ignore it. You know, that's what they did, and now they're paying the price for it all over the place. Trey,
0: I mean, you and I, we and Alex, we talked, ah, gosh, maybe a year ago, uh, about democracy versus autocracy. That that was the, you know, that that's the real threat to the nation. And you know we actually and we talked about like will anybody understand what a talk what we mean? Um, How's what is a better way uh, uh, to make you know to make that the battleground that we fight on? Um, And so you know tonight uh, again after we record this, I think you know we're seeing Biden who's going to give a speech and talk about the threat to democracy, and I think that's again going to put that that this is not right versus left. It's not really Democrats versus Republicans. It's a pro-democracy coalition against a a party that is out to thwart our democracy right now. And it's clear he's been, you know, making this case, but I think uh, tonight it could put that battleground choice that you and I talked about with Alex, like, like, like I said, over a year ago, could have put it front and center. What do you think about where that is right now?
1: I think I said to you when, when we were all talking about it back then, you know, um, when I was working overseas with IRI and I would bring Belarusians or Ukrainians or Russians, people to the U.S.
0: IRI is the International Republican Institute, by the way, folks. Just... Right.
1: And as you know, working with NDI, IRI and NDI work together around the world. In a bipartisan way. But when I would have these guys come back, there were two members of Congress I could always count on meeting with the with the DS with with the people who are fighting for democracy in those places. John McCain and Joe Biden were the ones, you know, when all of us would bring people back. Right. And um, so I, as I said, you know, when I decided to get involved with the Lincoln Project and and was like, all right, it was part of it was a faith in knowing that Joe Biden understood what democracy and that bigger fight was all about. I think we're just seeing that. I mean, it's 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 he's he he gets it and they're really starting to find their voice. And And to some degree, when we talked back then, I talked about the seven rules for for dealing with autocrats. Joe Biden is using them, you know?
0: No, he's calling them out.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. He really he's speaking is. truth to power. Yeah. He's using zero-sum judo. Um, he's forcing them out of the present moment and and saying whatever they have to say to survive and pulling them into the past and the future. You know, his comment about you can't be pro-law enforcement and pro-insurrection. Where are they going to go with that? They, there's no place for them to go. Even They can't even use whataboutism on it. And so I think it's great that he's he's speaking out. He in a in a strange way, I think Joe Biden, where Joe Biden has found his voice to me at its peak is is in this big question, whether it's Ukraine or at home, when he's posing democracy versus autocracy, because it's it's who he is at his core. It's it it's just who he is.
0: Right. While well, the Republican the, the you know it celebrate Orbán uh, in Hungary. I mean, it's just amazing right. just where these people want to take the country. I mean, he, as, as Biden said, the mega-Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and our economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. Uh, they refuse to accept the will of the people. They embrace embrace political violence. They don't believe in democracy. It's a powerful... Statement.
1: They believe in I, fear, Joe. It's all about making people afraid. Right. And and Joe Biden right. is talking about us having faith in each other a-
0: and a common purpose. And I think that and, and that's getting things done for people, which they which he's been doing a pretty damn good job of no matter what the however it gets covered. Yeah. But, you know, again, gas prices have been going down, folks. And I i have been saying this. People are probably tired of me hearing it. But, you know, if they keep doing the crazy, we keep doing the work, we win. Uh, look, they are they keep doing the crazy. And I think more and more Americans are waking up to just how extreme and how big the threat really is. And I think the evidence that piles up on January 6th and in the, the FBI search warrant, all these things, and again, the Dobbs decision, are just starting to pile up and wake people up to the threat. And I think the president, going, you know, front and center, calling it out, calling it what it is, and and, and calling on the American people to come together—not as Republicans or Democrats, but but for democracy and against those who want to thwart it. When there's so much evidence of a, of, a, of a party that has left, you know, essentially, you know, when it doesn't win an election, then the election was stolen, and the big lie takes over. And hell, you know, if Trump is threatened with an indictment, well, all hell's going to break loose. I mean, it's all that, that violence, that fear, fear of what's coming if you do what is right under the rule of law, we're coming. It's just a, you know, I think the president putting that decision in front of the American people going into November will make it even tougher on these Republicans who want to move away from some of these extremist views. I mean, that's the the real thing here. It's the real fascinating thing for me going into these last uh, weeks. The Republican Party really has two choices: it can super double down and try to inflame the Trump base to 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 the MAGA base to turn out, or it can try to moderate and move to the center, you know, traditionally, you win your crazy primary and then you move to the center. There are no signs that they're taking that path. Right. And I think if you go down the, the path of trying to inflame the MAGA base, that's just going to push even more of these independents. What we saw last night, what, what we saw in Alaska, it's got more independents, more, more Republicans. People like me are going to say no yeah again exactly right i think that's right i hopefully that's right
1: i think the other thing is and i'm sure you've had this experience right like fortunately through my my international experiences i've met some people that history will remember you know the lequilenses or the Vatslav Havels. and the one thing that i that i took from some of those experiences it experiences of meeting some of those people is You know, people meet their moments, not moments meet people. Um, You know, Lech Walensa was a guy when everybody else was afraid who scaled a fence. He was a welder who did that. And he ignited and inspired. And he wasn't a great president of Poland, but he, you know, achieved the ultimately started a path that led to the disillusionment of the Soviet Union. Joe Biden is is somebody who's meeting his moment by speaking truths and not being afraid. Liz Cheney is an example of that, Elaine Loria. You know, we're seeing all kinds of people who are meeting their moments. Um, And and Biden is really meeting his moment. And, And interestingly, you know... I say this a lot. Yeah, the policy stuff is important in the game we know in the elections. And you're right. They have gotten a lot of things done that are helping people and that there's positive in the ballot box from that. But where Biden's really succeeding is he's meeting the moment on the big issue, which is what we face and what are we a nation that's afraid of each other or, or, or are we what the founders envisioned and what really made America great? Which is faith in each other, and I, you know, if you know, I was in France. I went to Normandy. Those boys that were coming off those boats, they weren't asking each other who they voted for in the last election. They were, they were having faith in each other that they were going to take those beaches. And man, when you see them, it's incredible that they did that. And, and that's 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 people meeting the moment and vibes meeting the moment.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think that tees up. Something that our good friend in the Lincoln Project, uh, Stuart Stevens, uh, paraphrased it, but it was a tweet he had that I think really uh, talks about this moment and Biden, you know, in a speech. You know, there are two approaches to campaign messaging. Polls remind you of your deeply held beliefs, facetiously, of course, or fight for what you believe in. Because Stuart Stevens said, put democracy on the ballot, go out and take it. You are right, and they are wrong. Win. And I think that's what I'm hoping we hear from the president.
2: Guys, I think that's as good a place to end as any. We're just about out of time.
0: Hey, Trig, thanks for for being with us today. And thanks, everyone, for listening to That Trippy Show. We'll be back next week. Please subscribe to That Trippy Show and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to that Trippy Show at gmail.com or leave us a question the review on iTunes. These last two or three episodes have been among the most uh, downloaded and listened to uh, that we've had. Keep spreading the word, get your friends to to listen, send them the link. Really appreciate everything you've done to hear us out and to make a difference. Also, jointheunion.us. If you haven't gone there, please do and sign up. Thanks a lot, thanks Trig.
1: Yep, my pleasure, Joe.
0: We'll see you all next time.